You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. God's worthy. And so it is. Amen. Good morning, Union. I am so excited to be here. I was here a year ago uh, just visiting with Jay, my friend, and this congregation doing some work around the election that took place last year in Massachusetts, and I'm delighted to be here with you on this morning. I bring you greetings from Philadelphia, where it's slightly warmer there. Um, Bring you greetings from my family, Cantina and Sophia, and from the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries, where I serve in ministry leadership. I want to pray. Can we pray? Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. sing with me. God's people say, Amen. This first slide is where rapper, record producer, entrepreneur, fashion designer, professional celebrity, Kanye West will perform later today. Might even be performing right now as we speak. You know this place. This venue used to be where the Houston Rockets play basketball. And it's now Lakewood Church, where the average weekly attendance is more than 52 
thousand every week. Now, when the Lakewood congregation first moved into the former compact center in 2005, they were required to pay $11.8 million in rent in advance for the first 30 years of the lease. That's like a little bit beyond first, last, and security. <laughs> they spent then additionally a hundred more million dollars to renovate the arena to suit their needs. So it, it means something. It, it makes sense, I think, that Kanye chose Lakewood to host his Sunday service this month because throughout his career, Kanye has been as interested in making a good scene as he has been interested in making good music. I, I don't know if y'all experienced Kanye in that way. So, so Lakewood, with the dazzling lights and the awe-inspiring views, there's not a bad seat in the house. Lakewood seemed to be just the right place when Kanye made the decision to go to Texas. And what with Kanye's public commitment to the current administration, Lakewood also seems to be the right kind of political fit to look at this picture of the outside of Lakewood Church. Good fit politically, given Kanye's dispositions. Now this is not a sermon about Kanye about Kanye's political choices, artistic choices, although there is a sermon there that perhaps should be preached. I don't know about your experiences, but I grew up in a black Baptist church on the west side of Detroit. And in my church, we had offertory envelopes. Y'all know what... And on the offertory envelopes, there was a line for the building fund. The building fund. You know, the building fund was the mechanism by which we endeavored to grow. We wanted to renovate. We wanted to be shiny. We wanted to attract the Kanye Wests of our time. The ones who love flashing lights even more than Jesus the light of the world. And so what I want to reflect on for a few minutes this morning is the foolishness of the building fund. The foolishness of the building fund. The Roman Empire we know fell. And according to the writer of Luke's gospel, so did the temple. And this morning, I am compelled to think about the folly of investing in a building that will ultimately fall down. According to the first century historian Josephus, the Jerusalem temple of Jesus' day was an awe-inspiring wonder. This temple had been reconstructed by Herod the Great and the retaining walls of the temple were made of stones that were 40 feet 
long. Imagine this majestic place. The temple occupied a platform twice as large as the Roman Forum and four times as large as the Athenian Acropolis. This was a mega church, y'all. Herod reportedly used so much gold to cover the outside walls that anybody who gazed at these walls in the bright sunlight risked going blind. This was a gaudy little church. I suppose that the temple worshipers had a successful building fund campaign. And I'm sure that for them, maybe like for us, Maintaining the grandeur of this temple, the glory of this temple, was everybody's full-time job. No wonder then that we see at the beginning of this Luke passage, people fawning over their house of worship. Look at the beautiful stones that line our narthex. Jesus, can't you see them? Look at the tithers wall where we got everybody's name listed, the ones who gave gifts dedicated to God, Jesus. Look at the wall. But Jesus, you know, is Jesus. And Jesus is not impressed. Instead, he actually responds to their admiration with a chilling prediction. Jesus says, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Jesus and the people are looking at the stained glass and at the golden chalice and the plush pews. But it is clear that Jesus sees something different here. The people see their own worthiness. And Jesus sees their internalized colonization. The people people see their strength and, 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 and permanence. But Jesus sees fragility and ruins. The people see power and certainty, and Jesus sees loss and change. The people feel awe and wonder, but Jesus laments. Jesus laments their lack of true imagination about what's possible, what's available, the deeper and truer ways they can experience God's presence beyond the building. Jesus sees that everything has to break and buckle and end before new life is possible, before hope will emerge. Hmm. This this passage from Luke's gospel is often categorized as apocalyptic. I'm a sci-fi geek, so of course when I hear that word, I think of Zombies and Walking Dead and technology we've never seen before. Black Mirror episodes and interplanetary warfare. Think of Star Wars when I think of apocalyptic. 
But in fact, all apocalypse means is unveiling. It describes a disclosure of something that had before been hidden. It's a revelation. And so Jesus, in disrupting the people's obsession over the building fund and what the building fund paid for, is calling for an accurate revelation of what is actually there. He's calling the people to have apocalyptic eyes. God cannot be renovated into holiness. God will not be domesticated by building funds. God is not bound by brick and mortar and stained glass. The location of God's activity, the location of God's presence is not limited to majestic pulpits. Slapping God's name on the marquee. Slapping Jesus is king on the album cover. Hinting at the Bible in a White House speech does not make any of that sanctified. God is unbothered, unbothered by our superlatives just because we get easily seduced by the biggest and the newest and the shiniest and the mega around us. One of my favorite theologians is Barbara Brown Taylor, and she has a sermon collection called God in Pain. And in that sermon collection, she argues that disillusionment is actually essential to Christian life. I want to read some of her sermon. She says, disillusionment is literally the loss of an illusion. An illusion about ourselves, about the world, about God. And while it's almost always, she says, a painful thing, it's never a bad thing to lose the lie we have mistaken for the truth. Disillusioned, we come to understand that God does not conform to our expectations. Thank God for Jesus. We get a glimpse of our own relative size in the universe, and we see that what we think about what God should be doing or how God should be acting does not really matter. We review our requirements of God, and we recognize them as our own fictions. Disillusioned is how we get to find out what is not true. And we are set free to seek what is true if we have the courage to do it. Disillusionment means that you turn away from the God who was supposed to be in order to seek the God who is. Did God fail to come when I called? Well, perhaps God then is not a minion I can beckon. Oh, don't nobody want to say amen to that. Did God fail to punish the person I didn't like? Well, perhaps God is not a police officer. 
who goes after my bad guys. Did God fail to make everything turn out all right? Well, perhaps God is not a fixer in the way Olivia Pope might be a fixer. Over and over again, my disillusionments, my disappointments draw me deeper into the mystery of God's being, the mystery of God's doing. Every time I realize that God did not meet my expectation, another one of my building fund idols is exposed. Another curtain is drawn back so I can see what I put in God's place. Hmm, if that's not God, then who is God? If the compact center is not God, who is God? This is the question of a lifetime. It's a scary question. Because we've got to push past the curtain and the veil and the mask until it becomes clear who God is. Beyond my poor and stingy imagination, God is actually greater than my imagination. God is wiser than my own wisdom. God is utterly beyond my control. And so I think what Jesus does in this text is to pop the disciples' bubbles. He is the catalyst for their disillusionment. So, I want us to ask ourselves this morning, what illusions have I mistaken for the truth? Oh, it's quiet. (laughs) How did I attempt to box God into a certain kind of tradition, a certain kind of edifice, instead of trusting Jesus? Why did I cling to the permanent thing, the unmovable thing, the big building, when Jesus invites me to crumble and evolve and then crumble again and evolve and then crumble again and evolve? Am I willing to sit with the fact that things fall apart? The thing I built The thing I paid for, the thing I loved, I thought, the thing I worked for, it fell apart. Can I journey with God on a path that includes ruins and rumble and falling apart? That's hard in a world like ours, where falling apart is faithlessness. You got to keep it together. Reinforce that thing, keep it strong. When sometimes God is calling us to let it fall down. Let it crumble. And continuing to invest in the, biz, the building fund to keep the thing standing up serves ego, serves fear, 
but will not set us free. Jesus is calling us in this text to endure the apocalypse so that we will gain our souls. The empire will fall, period. And the temple will fall. Are you disillusioned enough to see it? Let me, let me close with this. When we read this passage with eyes that have been disillusioned, this chaotic world can't knock us off our center anymore. We do live in a chaotic world. When we have the courage to reject the notions of grandeur that threaten to overwhelm us and seduce us, we can gain some perspective about what's going on around us. The temple is just falling, y'all. Empire is falling. When doctors refuse to treat people who need care, that's, that's actually what's happening. Because they claim that God told them they can't provide care for the person who needs care. The temple is falling. The temple is falling. When the earth shakes and the temperature burns us up because the earth is groaning under the weight of human denial and human neglect, that's empire falling. When wars are declared over Twitter, that's just the structure coming down. When preachers are preaching the gospel of wealth and prosperity, that's buildings falling. When, when politicians are capitalizing on racial resentment to close borders with one hand and raise taxes with the other hand, the temple is falling, y'all. That's all. Jesus says, don't be terrified. Don't give in to despair. Because God is not where people often say God is. That's what this passage is saying. People are going to say it's God, but you know it ain't God. God does not make us dread and tremble. God is not an unjust judge. No, Paula White, God does not need our seed of $229 to show up and show out in our lives. God doesn't need a sanctuary as large as the Compact Center to show up. So I think Jesus is saying to us today, stay imaginative. Stay hopeful. Stay prophetic. Beyond the buildings, beyond the shiny things, expect that things will get hard. Yep, the passage is saying that. Know that stuff will be hard, but speak truth anyway. Do it scared. Do it scared. Let the building fall. I know we're exhausted. I don't know about y'all. I'm exhausted. The headlines just keep breaking my heart over and over and over and over and over and over. These are terrifying times. But see what God is doing in the apocalypse. See that God is pulling back the curtain. 
God is ripping off the masks. God is bulldozing those structures. Let God do it. That's all I want to say. So let God do it. Let God tear up the thing that is so shiny, it's blinding you. And I mean that for your own personal life, too. Let God do it. Let God poke holes in the lies that you keep telling yourself that distract you from your grounding. Let God do away with the stuff that destroys us. Let God shake up the world so we can make it over again. And know this, God is with us in the rubble. God is with us in the ashes of what used to be. God is with us in the ruin. And what? By our endurance, we will gain our souls. By our endurance, we will gain our souls. Gain your soul today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.